The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a compliment to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is author and facilitator Kate Sutherland, and we're talking about her sojourn at Findhorn, the spiritual community in Scotland, and also about her wonderful book, which I highly recommend, Make Light Work, 10 Tools for Inner Knowing. I connected with Kate over the phone. She was at home in Vancouver, BC. So Kate, you've had an experience that is on my bucket list, and that is to spend some time at the Fintorn community in Scotland, the spiritual community there. I'm really excited to hear how that came to happen for you and how your visit there ended up being you living there for three years. Can you tell me about that? Yes, it was like um, uh, being tapped on the shoulder and then beckoned uh, the, the sort of how I found my way to Finthorn. Mm. At the time, I was, I was pretty lost. I had um, been working on two projects that both went sour within a two-week period, and I was re- really um, confused. I knew I couldn't carry on the way I had been, and I kind of set, set out a, a plea uh, to, you know, how can I find a way of working that's win-win, win-win for me and for the people that I'm working with and for the planet and that's sustainable. And very shortly after, a friend gave me a book written by one of the founders of the Finhorn Foundation. And that was, that was the tap. It was like I read that book and I had an uncharacteristic, instantaneous desire to get on a plane and go to Scotland. Tell me why that was uncharacteristic. What were you like then? I was very embedded in the community that I was part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very um, I was involved in a lot of organizations and a lot of movements and groups, and I, and I was um, a fair bit of poverty consciousness also, I would say. Like, I didn't really feel I had the, the freedom uh, financially to go, but I, uh, uh, it was, you know, sort of my holidays were very, you know, to go camping or like they were close to home and, and all, I had really a lot of ties to Toronto. It's very, very embedded there. Yeah. And it's interesting actually, because the, the, the piece about the, the projects going sour I uh, felt I felt betrayed by one of the people I was collaborating with, and for years I just all like that was just a very um, negative experience. Was like being jilted, and and I only about so this is like 25 years ago. It's only recently that I've realized that without that experience, I wouldn't have been loosened. Up. It was like I needed to be yanked out of my pot in order to be transplanted somewhere else. 
Hmm. So you get this divine tap on the shoulder or, you know, I guess in some ways it felt more like a rocking from the foundation with the betrayal. And then you find yourself taking this uncharacteristic action where you go to Scotland and tell me what you thought you were doing. Uh, I, at the time it was, I'm going to this place. Uh, the book I read was about uh, overlighting energies and working with the essence of, of an individual or a group or an organization. It was about inner work and it, it was very compelling to me. I, I, it was, it told, you know, I had heard about Finhorn beforehand. I, actually, my mother had been to Finhorn before me. Oh, wow. And came, yeah. And she talked about it in terms that I felt I wasn't ready, that I wasn't um, spiritual enough, mm-hmm. that it was, it was for advanced people and I was too, um, too much in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of separated myself from it, and then this book made it much more immediate and tangible for me. Uh, and that, I for, I'm, remind me of your question. Cause it was, well, I, w- I was just curious about what you thought you were going to get. Like, did you think you were going to go for an instructional weekend and you were going to come out um, with your life purpose? Or did you think, oh, okay, I'm going to learn how to facilitate groups in a more conscious way? Yeah, I, what I understood was that I was going to be in uh, in the community. I was going to experience this place. I was going pretty open mind about what I would encounter, mm. uh, and uh, and a sense of of excitement. Uh, really, I can remember being in the room in the little hotel room in in Inverness the night before I went, and this feeling like I was setting out on an adventure. That this was. Uh, uh, this was really exciting, mm-hmm. really different. Mm. And then tell me about what happened when you got there and you became immersed in the community. How did you end up staying there for so long? Well, I, there's two pieces I want to put in here. One was that within the, the first hour of being in the community, there was a long line of registration. So I went outside and just wandered and was in this beautiful environment and and not having to rush anywhere, just kind of quietly in a in a little bubble by myself wandering around. And for the first time ever in my life, I heard a voice. And the voice said, everything you need is inside. Mm. And I had a, a kind of an instant knowing that that was the answer to how to find a way of working that would be, be sustainable for me and be really effective. Mm. And, and, and it was kind of a, this funny moment of feeling like I'd come all this way and in the first hour I got the answer that I was seeking and I could go home now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also felt at the same time that I didn't know how to live that. And, uh, and so then um, what was the was a kind of a catalyst was um, to staying longer was meeting the man who's now my husband hmm. and uh, and that uh, was a uh, this gradual kind of connecting 
And there was a point where we were sitting together and and there was that kind of a force field when you're when there's a strong energy connection between people, you know, like you're like everything is a bit slowed down and yeah. it's all kind of super intense and and I turned and looked away from him and and a very small little British robin flew straight at my straight at me and and just went up over my head and it was it was a shocking kind of experience and it was it that was a uh, uh, like a, a wake up like this mm. don't discount this this is pay attention mm-hmm. so you had kind of these little winks from the universe these um, little yes signals yeah oh yeah. that's wonderful so, so there were several, you know, like the the long version is very detailed, but the but basically with within that a, a short period of time, I I felt like this was I needed to move to the community, mm. and I was thrilled by the community about whether it was just for a relationship that was not a legitimate reason. But I, you know, just talking now, I'm putting this together for the first time. It was the the betrayal relationship got me out of out of where I had been and uh, the the catalyst of meeting my husband to be uh, helped me make that move but the deeper calling was to learn this new way of working and to bring it back uh, to share with people so you have a book well you have two books making uh, make light work and the other one is making light work with groups and I really really appreciate the pared down focused well organized way you share 10 tools for inner knowing in make light work and there's several that I use you know frequently and and a number of them that sort of come from having been a player of the transformation game the board game that comes from Finhorn I can see how that influence is Um, showing up in this book I'm curious how what it was like when you left Fintorn you've been there for a while you're coming to understand that the intuitive knowing that the um, overlighting energies how to hold uh, space for groups is is kind of a subtle dynamic and energetic thing that that uh, has obvious effects even if we can't necessarily see how it works uh, or we, we you know it's more somatic how, what was that journey like for you to incorporate inner knowing tools back into your work yes well it um they had become embedded in me at finhorn they had become a, a way of life of regularly using the different tools and and i had um so from my own, my own, you know, sitting down at the desk and doing work, I used inner work tools all the time. I would use automatic writing or muscle testing or coin toss or reframing or flirts, any of these different tools. And I didn't talk about it much so that in terms of work that I did for consulting clients, but I did um, create... Uh, workshops where I introduced the tools to others who, you know, were invited. And I, for a long time, I felt like I was kind of in the closet. I felt like if I 
shared that this is how I work, that I, that I wouldn't have credibility as a professional. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was through using it more, and I think the world catching up, um, I now feel like there's a ripeness and a readiness for people to work and to draw on the power of inner work. Uh, to work consciously with intention and perception and intuition. And and these different elements aren't as other as they were 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been a journey of, of uh, coming out of the closet for me and, and mm-hmm. finding that I actually that there are clients who actually choose me because this is the way I work, and mm-hmm. and that uh, that it's like oh me too me too you know in different places so so, yeah. so people I would never have expected to be open to inner work will tell me how they do their own what their what their practices are and what their experiences are and and it's. Uh, which has just given me more and more courage. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would imagine um, helped give you that boost to actually create what is essentially a handbook or, or a guide for that. And I, I really love that you use that term coming out of the spiritual closet, really, because and I talk about this in my in the Numinous School, my my program uh, in the very beginning about this idea of having healthy spiritual self-esteem. And it can be very difficult to bear the brunt of the social scorn that comes with using the word intuition or like dropping the word energy into a boardroom meeting. However, I do think that um, not only has the world caught up to great extent, but also, you know, it calls to mind uh, Marianne Williamson and her, her sort of idea that when you allow yourself to be in your authentic space, you give other people permission to do the same. And I would imagine that your clients who are saying, me too, are so grateful to you for standing up and professionalizing and streamlining and laying out with some rigor how to use these tools in a, in a conscious and responsible uh, and refined kind of way. So I'm wondering if you think there's other things we can do to normalize and express our value for intuitive feedback and work in in workplaces, especially if we're not in leadership positions where we can really um, set the tone from sort of top down. How would what would you say to people who are listening who want to be able to uh, use inner work in the workplace, but uh, are feeling a bit nervous about that. That it's, um, I think one of one of the ways is to start where it's easiest um, to to find the one person who you figure is pretty open, and you can use your intuition to tap into them, and uh, or even backing up is, is I like when you talk about spiritual confidence that. That to be making flexing your own muscle um, to the place where you're confident, you're you have that embodied confidence, uh, and you can do a buddy, have a buddy to help 
build that also. You can say, you know, this is something I'd like to do. And the buddy could be at work or outside of work. It doesn't doesn't matter. But just to um, to have support, I think, is is important. I believe that people are intuitive, like that there's intuition happening in workplaces regularly. And, um, and so listening for it is something that I uh, encourage people to do is to, some people will talk about having a gut feeling or this just doesn't feel right or um, I want to sleep on it. There'll be kinds of language that indicate that people are intuitive. So, so underlining that or being curious about it or you know, having a conversation, letting that be a conversation. Absolutely. That is a really good tip is listening for it. Uh, you know, I'm sure you as a practitioner, you be, you develop a very well honed ear for that. I do that with clients as well, that you're, you're listening for how they're experiencing the world and those somatic words like, I get it, or I hear you, or it's like, okay, this person is having an experience, even if they may not be describing it as, as intuition, you can kind of hear in their languaging if they're receptive yeah. to that or not. Now, aside from, I, I, you say in the book several times that you use daily journaling, and that was, that, I loved how you talked about like, okay, I'm just going to do this. This is my practice every day for a year. I've never been able to stick with anything every day for a year but shorter periods of time I have so I was very inspired by that but um, aside from the daily journaling I'm curious which tool of the inner knowing in make light work would you say you use most often on a day-to-day basis Uh, for me it's muscle testing Mm. Um, I find it very very quick and and accurate. I use it as a way of confirming my intuition. So I will have, um, if there's a question or a a challenge or an opportunity, I'll frame, uh, I'll listen in from my own intuitive response and and name that as a, as a statement. Mm. You know, you know, like you might have a question like, should I accept this contract? And I, Instead of me saying that it's a yes or no, you should. It's I. I'll listen in and get. Hmm, you know, this doesn't feel right. So I'll frame the statement. I should decline this opportunity, and then I'll muscle test to yeah. verify. Uh, and uh, it's. A, I have the intuition, and it's just this extra. When it's a bigger deal, uh, I find it very quick. I'm also I'm also always um, sort of you know kind of as a foundational piece working with groundwork, mm-hmm. with with the um, consciously centering, consciously opening, consciously setting an intention to be of service, mm-hmm. and and that's um, a, it's a meta practice. It's not so much a, a specific tool, but it's that is sort of. Uh, Something that I'll I'll work with at at turning points, like I'm I'm picking up the telephone to have an important conversation, I'm walking in the door to a meeting. Uh, that's a that's a a absolutely daily um, base foundational practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you bring it up many many times. It, you know, it, this idea of grounding shows up at the beginning of almost every single one of the tools. I think you you know you really it, do. every 
single one of the tools. I, I wanted to, to have it be so embedded because for me that's the most important practice of all of them. It's, it's like if you had to pick one um, way of working with inner work, for me groundwork would be would be that practice. Yeah. Well, and it's so important for, well, and I, you know, I have a lot of listeners who would consider themselves fairly open spiritually, or they are active seekers spiritually. And one of the, I would say, um, challenges of that is that, well, the phrase I use is you can become so heavenly bent that you're no earthly good. And the point is that we're here to get stuff done, to be in presence, to be, you know, to be embodied. And so I would totally agree that, that grounding, groundwork has to be so fundamental every day, all day. Otherwise, we're, we're missing so many other um, uh, uh, opportunities to take in more information if we're kind of free-floating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One yeah. interesting tool that um, isn't one that I'd worked with in exactly that way, and I just like the language around it, is burning your wood. Mm -hmm. Can you just uh, give a, a quick description of that? Yes, it's when something triggers me, I will um, sit with the trigger and uh, have a relationship with it so that that I uncover what it is that that is the challenge. So it, if it's that some you know, I meet someone and I experience, I, you know, when I just riff on it, I experience them as needy and demanding and, and uh, irritating. And so those are pieces that I then work with to see where, where am I either like that myself or where do I need to be more demanding, more irritating. Sometimes it's that I need to do it more and sometimes that it's that I need to do it less. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like a and perfect exercise to actually incorporate then. Like I could see riffing on that like, like crazy and then asking those key questions that you have in there. Is there more or is there anything else? And seeing what comes behind and then just burning it. <laughs> I could totally right. feel so good about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, the idea is that if we are, um, if we have burnt our wood, then nothing in our external situation can trigger us mm -hmm. because we've transmu we've transmuted all of the places where we could be triggered mm -hmm. we've we've done our work and as i think as long as we're in the human body we, there's always going to be stuff that triggers us but there is uh, a greater and greater freedom i think when we uh take responsibility for actually uh, taking the irritation as a signal, as an as an invitation to to become more free. Mm -hmm. And yeah, freedom is so perfect. You actually at the end of that chapter talk about being triggered while you're leading a workshop and it's really hot and somebody turns on the noisy fan and you say you have like a well-developed reputation as a person who hates noisy fans. But you yeah. talk about in that moment because you've done the inner work because you've burned your wood that you didn't have to do the work in that moment leading that that team it just was like poof you know shift in perspective it, and you know uh, that idea again of like that's 
what a miracle could be is the idea of shifting your perspective so profoundly that you're totally in a different place. My husband and I, when we're in arguments and uh, you're just, it's intractable, we call that flicking the switch where just all of a sudden you hit that empathy place in you and you just flick the switch and suddenly we just stop. We just like lay it down, lay down our arms and then hear really well. It sounds like this or I'm hearing your pain rather than than being triggered anymore. We can just flick the switch because we we recognize <laughs> that place. And I just thought, wow, yeah, it was really a nice story at the end of the book or close to the end of what is possible when you are continually working with these tools in, in that way is really inspiring. It, it is a case of um, a kind of um, spiritual muscle or your spiritual confidence or, you know, that, that when you use the tools a lot, they work for you, which I love. Like they make life much easier. That's the whole make light work. It's much easier. And they cumulatively work on you so that the way if you were hammering um, and building a house, the hammer would be a tool that would help you build the house, but it would also make your arm, using it would make your arm stronger and you get uh, more able to build houses because of the strength that builds up from using the tools. And so the these tools work both ways. They work for us and they work on us. And and ultimately what happens is is that you get so that you don't need them. Like, like I feel much more tapped into my intuition. Just, you know, so I, I still muscle test, but I don't, uh, there's many things where I don't mm-hmm. because it's just, it's it's become more and more available to mm-hmm. me. That's beautiful. And, so as I, I'm bringing yeah. the conversation to a close the question that um, I'd like to ask you Kate since this is your first time Mm -hmm. on the show although I plan to have you back for make light work for groups because that is even more exciting for me Uh, the question today comes from the Proust questionnaire and it is what do you consider perfect happiness (laughs) Uh, for me that's um, alignment with uh, with essence, like, that each of us has a, has a, an inner compass, and when when I'm living in alignment with that inner compass, uh, that's when my life flows. That's when I experience uh, deep joy and and a kind of peace that I'm in the right place, and the quality of being that comes from that alignment is 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 perfect happiness. That's beautiful. I really appreciate that that term quality of being. I love that. I'm feeling a very high quality of being right now from having this conversation (laughs) with you and it flowed so well and it did bring me joy. I really am so happy you came on the show, Kate, and in the show notes, people will be able to access your book. And I hope many people do because it's such a great manual for flexing that spiritual muscle. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Carmen. Yes. Thank you very much. Mm, Can't wait to have her back on the show again. But for today, here are the three really important 
points that Kate shared with us about how to normalize and become more confident with our intuition. Number one, start where it's easiest. So find your allies. See who is giving the clues that they are your people. And she said, number two, that's listen for it in the language. Listen for people who say things like, uh, I'm going with my gut or my, my instinct or my hunch is we should do this. And then finally, find a buddy when you can invite somebody into um, a friendship where you can be your full self, including your spiritual self. It is also a huge relief for them too. Today's show notes can be found on my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And that's where you'll find links to learn more about Kate, her books, Make Light Work and Make Light Work in Groups, and also about her upcoming workshops at Findhorn. Now quick, who do you know who's working with groups that could use this book? I'm telling you, these books have been a wonderful handbook. And if you'd like to learn how to weave intuitive tools into your life, they're quick, they're thorough, and beautifully structured and well-written. I want to thank Kate for coming on and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share it far and wide, especially with facilitators and with more seekers just like you, because you never know who really needs to hear it right now. And if you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, and click the link for the Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download, and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care. <laughs>